Today's episode of Eco Chic is brought to you by Aspiration, the environmentally friendly debit card. I personally love using Aspiration because there's a little kickback when you shop with their conscious partners, a lot of brands that I already know and love. I like that they use my spare change to plant a tree. And I also like that they will never use my money to invest in fossil fuel companies. Check out aspiration.com eco when you sign up with that link. Through the show, you support me and you also get up to $200 towards your new account. Aspiration.com eco. Everything you do is making an impact in this world. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you? And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco-conscious lifestyles. What, like it's hard? Hey y'all, I hope you are well. Welcome back to Eco Chic. It is so nice to have you here today for another educational Climate 101 type episode. I'm really excited because today's episode really hits close to home for me. I really love a lot of these topics because I love the Southwest. If you're new around here, EcoChic actually started three years ago while I was in grad school in Arizona. And it was a period of my life where I became really passionate about public lands, about federal protections on natural areas. I love being outside. I'm a hiker. I'm a national park enthusiast. I am nothing if not a fan of public lands. But I also think that there's a huge climate discussion to have within those contexts because there is a massive drought currently underway on the western half of the United States. Not just the southwest, but all of the western half of the U.S. is experiencing some level of drought. And we are also at a point where fire season has started. Wildfires are unfortunately alive and well this summer already. And unfortunately, I think they're only going to get worse. That's what the research is showing. And that's what my gut is unfortunately telling me because of what I'm about to share with you all today. So I hope that you learn a little something today. Like I said, these are all topics that I'm really passionate about because they are what initially got me so motivated to become a climate activist. And now I'm very thankful to work in it day in and day out. And I love what I do. I love educating people. I also think though that climate science is something that we don't talk a whole lot about in the world outside of this podcast. I think a lot of people have climate conversations in silos where it is a discussion. People are concerned about climate change, but then they move on with their life. And the whole point of this show is to tie climate change into just about every facet of your lifestyle. I'm already getting kind of excited about talking with you about this. So I want to just jump in to my notes today. A lot of this has also been fueled by last week's conversation around the Arctic, around polar amplification. Why is the Arctic melting so quickly? And I want to make sure that we're all on the same page that, again, my background is in climate science. I would consider myself a climate scientist and I enjoy working in climate policy and climate advocacy. But I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not a weather girl. I can't tell you day in and day out what's happening. A lot of the information that is being sent to me via email, via Instagram DM from y'all or that I am reading in my own inbox is from meteorologists, but also hydrologists and geologists. And there are a lot of very, very educated, specialized people that make careers out of studying this. So I'm going to share as much as I can with you today so that it's useful to you. 
But if you want any more research, I'm going to link some articles in the show notes. I'm not linking any academic papers today, but there are plenty of those if you're looking for them. And these headlines are coming out every single day. So I bet after you hear this, you're now going to be hyper-focused when you do see a headline about the drought, about a wildfire, uh, maybe about water in general. There's a lot going on in the Western United States day in and day out every single day. And I want to give you a little bit of context. So I want us to just start off by acknowledging what a lot of us are experiencing, especially if you are a listener either in the Southwest or the Western U.S. in general. It is summertime, and we are currently experiencing some heat waves across the country, not even just in the Western U.S. Heat waves are periods of excessively hot weather, way higher temperatures than the average, and it's a few days at a time that they sit. It's usually a little stickier when there's a heat wave because it's humid air. I want us to make sure that we're all on the same page with just what a heat wave is. This is kind of a gross metaphor, but I imagine a blister. Like I've been walking in uncomfortable shoes and when I take them off, I notice a little patch of wrinkly skin and then that wrinkly skin starts to bubble and eventually I have to pop it open. Heat waves form when high pressure settles high in the air, higher in the atmosphere, higher above land, and that high pressure air causes hot air to sink down. The hot air sinking creates a bubble that acts like a seal and it traps heat near the ground. So heat waves, while we normally imagine them on TV, on meteorology forecasts as a wave actually coming over land, It kind of happens like that, but more often than not, it is a bubble of hot air sitting over a region. I also want to talk about droughts because there have been a lot of headlines lately about droughts, especially again in the American Southwest. The New York Times had an article published last week titled, The Western Drought is Bad, Here's What You Should Know About It, and I will link that one in the show notes. It also came out as part of their Climate Forward newsletter last week, if you received that, with some really great geomorphic maps. I am such a sucker for a good map. So just to first set the scene again, droughts are normal climate occurrences. We have geological and climate records showing that historically the Southwest has experienced sustained droughts, so droughts that last for decades at a time. They come and go, and water levels also fluctuate over time. But the difference now with the current drought is that the current drought is not just long, but it's especially intense. The Southwest is experiencing a really prolonged drying period, and it started some 20 years ago, they say, and it's being exacerbated by our rapidly warming climate. Current research shows that states currently in definite droughts are California, Oregon, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and North Dakota. Large areas of those states are considered in severe or exceptional condition. We also have some level of drought in Colorado, Idaho, Washington, Montana, South Dakota, and southwestern Texas. So I feel like I just listed off a lot of states, and I hope that helps you paint the picture for just how widespread and serious this problem is of heat and of lack of water. The drought we're seeing today in the Western US has persisted for so long that some scientists are calling it a mega drought or at least the beginnings of a mega drought. A mega drought is exactly what it sounds like. It is a drought worse than all other droughts. 
Scientists are saying that the one comparable drought happened perhaps 1,200 years ago. It lasted 40 years, and the current drought might actually be worse than that one. So I said droughts happen, but why is this one being so felt? Econ 101, supply and demand, population in all of those states I mentioned have grown pretty significantly, so the demand for water has also seriously increased over the decades. We also know that farming and animal agriculture put additional strains on water resources. So we're in a drought because droughts happen. They are a natural occurrence. This is a natural thing that the earth is going through. However, it is so, so bad because it is really hot and we're also using a lot more water than we can actually replenish into our systems based on the natural cycles. I also want to briefly talk about something that I'm really passionate about because I just mentioned supply and demand, Econ 101, water subsidies. Water is very heavily subsidized by the federal government in America, which should be an effort that supports farmers. And I want to make it really clear that we should all support farmers. I love the American farmer. The problem with water being heavily subsidized is that it becomes artificially inexpensive. Water is so cheap that you can grow water-intensive crops, like strawberries, in drought-ridden areas like California. Think about your own water bill. It's definitely lower than your power bill, and I bet the first time you got your water bill, you were at least a little bit surprised at how inexpensive it was. Because water costs so little, there is little to no incentive to conserve it. So we know there's a drought. We know water is being used faster than it can be replenished. We know that the average American is probably pretty far mentally removed from their impact on the water crisis. However, the West is normally hotter and drier than other parts of the country, drought or not. It's really hard to stress the impact of the climate crisis on the Western U.S. because it's already so hot. So, you know, what's another degree? Well, my friends, let's talk about wildfires. Most wildfires in the U.S. are actually started by human activity. If you are already in a super dry, arid place, maybe we didn't get that much snow over the winter to adequately moisturize, quote unquote, the ground, a single spark can start a fire. Also, I don't know if we all realize this, but anything can be fuel for a fire. Dry grass, brush, trees, those are all fire starters. All you need to start a fire is oxygen, some fuel, and a spark. Again, in this case where we're living in a really dry, drought-ridden environment, fuel can be grass, trees, anything laying on the ground, anything also dry. Weather can also make a fire worse. If you're seeing a drought, for instance, or heavy winds or extreme heat, that human-started fire can become bigger, it can spread faster, and, of course, it can be more dangerous. Human activity doesn't even mean like you and your friends or your family at a campsite over the summer roasting s'mores, roasting marshmallows for s'mores, and there's an accident and your fire gets out of control. In the right dry conditions, throwing a cigarette out of a car window along a road can start what becomes a huge, massive fire. Now I'm going to pause for a second, go back. I mentioned briefly snowmelt or heavy rains, and that all impacts the moisture available in the ground that can help prevent or minimize wildfires to some extent. So maybe we just pray for some rain 
it would take several wet years in a row to banish the drought that we're currently seeing completely. However, this is theoretically possible. We know that climate comes in waves. We know that climate is variable. No year is exactly the same. But again, because we know there is already less water being cycled through natural systems, we know temperatures are rising, evaporation rates are rising, human activity doesn't really seem to be slowing down all that much, we are still absolutely experiencing climate change and making any regular return to wet years is much less likely. On a closing note, this summer, please respect fire restrictions. Please pay attention to the signs at campsites. Check in with your local BLM office, the Bureau of Land Management. If you're not on federal public lands, whoever is managing your area, come prepared. Do your research on the area. Put out your fires. Be smart. Also, it's 2021. I really hope you're not smoking cigarettes. But if you are, put them out responsibly. Last little point, obviously, conserve water on your own. But also talk about water subsidies. Check in with your local government officials about their drought-resistant landscaping policies. Support a native garden. Stop trying for your bright green manicured lawn in the middle of the summer. We are very much in a drought. Your lawn can wait. All right, that's it for my soapbox today. Also, quick side note, I am imagining that scene from another Cinderella story, the one with Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray, where the camera zooms out after Hilary Duff is told to water the lawn and she turns to her stepmother and she goes, we're in a drought, Fiona. And they have the only green lawn in a huge sea of brown lawns as the camera continues zooming out. Be a brown lawn. In the neighborhood of life, please be a brown lawn. Better yet, be the Hillary Duff advocating for the brown lawns of life, okay? That's the energy that we all need to be bringing this summer. And that's the level of education and advocacy that I expect of all of us, all right? All right. <laughs> That's it for real from me. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Spotify. And then you can also connect with me on socials at Eco Chic Podcast. All of my links are always in the show notes. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts. And I hope you share it with your friends. Share it in your family group chat. Say hello to your mom for me. Say Laura really wanted you to listen to this episode. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for hanging out. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. Bye. Don't forget to check out aspiration.com slash eco to learn how you can be more environmentally conscious with your money. Aspiration is the environmentally friendly debit card. And I feel like if you've heard me talk about it before, you've definitely started thinking about what your big bank is doing with your money when you're not using it. It's being invested and chances are big banks are investing it in fossil fuel projects. So if you really want to be a conscious consumer, think about what your money is doing when you're not the one spending it. Check out aspiration.com for up to $200 towards your new account. I really cannot stress enough. Even the benefits are worth it. Let's say you didn't care at all about the environmental benefits. The idea that you can check out from any ATM across the country almost with no ATM fees is a huge, huge help for me personally. There's a lot of benefits. I encourage you to check it out. Aspiration.com slash eco. When you support our partners, you support the show. And who doesn't want $200 towards their new account? Check it out. Always in the show notes. One last time. Aspiration.com slash eco.